Once again, thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you to all of you for being with us this morning. And I do want to say just a special welcome to our guests. There are some people that are visiting with us this morning for the first time, and we are so thankful that you're here, and we hope that you feel right at home, and we hope that you will come back and worship with us soon and very soon. This morning we are back in our sermon series from the book of First Peter. Um, and just a reminder... As we look at the book of 1 Peter, context is also very important always. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3 this morning, beginning in verse 13. But as you find your way there this morning, I hope that you do. I hope you will follow along in your Bibles this morning. As you make your way there, remember that this book was written by Peter. It was a circulating, circulating letter. He wrote it to believers who were located in Asia Minor, particularly the section of the world that we currently know as modern-day Turkey, and he wrote that letter between AD 60 and AD 67. And also, as we make our way throughout the book of 1 Peter, it is important that we pay attention to the overall recurring theme that appears over and over and over again as we read throughout the book of 1 Peter. And it is this, believers should follow the example of Jesus Christ and they should do that by joyfully enduring persecution, by joyfully enduring persecution. Now, if you are able to stand this morning, I want to invite you to stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. Again, we're in 1 Peter chapter. 3 beginning with verse 13. Here's what God's Word tells us this morning in our text. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you so much just for the opportunity to hold the Bible in our hands and to read your holy word. Father, I pray now for the next few minutes, what I pray that your hand will be upon me as I preach this text that you have given me for this day, 
for these people. Father, I pray I will preach it completely and correctly. Lord, I pray that you will hide me behind the cross. Lord, I pray that your anointing will be upon me this morning. Father, I pray that you will simply give us ears to hear. I pray that you will give us minds to understand. And what I pray that our eyes will see today, your, your transforming power at work in this place. Father, I pray especially right now for anyone who is hearing my voice that does not know have a, have a true and complete, a genuine relationship with you. Father, I pray that today will be the day that, that people will be able to proclaim my chains are gone. I have been set free. Father, may you do it in this place today. And for what you'll do, we'll give you praise, honor, and glory for it all. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, the title of this morning's message is Suffering for the Sake of Righteousness. That doesn't sound very much like very much fun, does it? Suffering for the sake of righteousness. But we're going to see this morning through our text that that is something that we will do as Christians. It, we will indeed suffer for the sake of righteousness. Now, I hope that you've still got your Bibles open. I, I pray that you will leave them open throughout throughout the entirety of this message. But I want to remind you just really quick of something that we covered last week. Remember, in the earlier parts of uh, chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, there were some, some instructions of how we are to live our lives, and I think they are worth repeating. In verse 8, Peter tells us that all of us are to have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and an humble mind. We are not to repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, we are to bless, for to this we were called, that we may obtain a blessing. And then he goes on to give further instructions that said, whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. And then he tells us why. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, remember, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about submission. We've looked at two separate areas so far where we are expected as Christians to be submissive. The first was to authorities, and the second that we saw last week was in our marriage relationships. Now remember, there is a disclaimer on that. We are expected as Christians to be submissive unless we are being asked to do something that would violate the Word of God. Now remember, we have also seen that over the last few weeks that as a result of this amazing grace that we have received from God, that we are expected to be submissive. And now we're going to see that grace means something else this morning. It means suffering. Grace means suffering. Now keep in mind when you suffer for doing what is right, God will bless you for it. Now I want you to always remember each and every day something that we addressed last week. If we are truly in Christ, if we are truly in Christ, then it is just not an option not to love people. 
We have got to love people like Christ loves us. Does that mean that everybody will always be nice to us? No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that. But we're going to see in this morning's text that we are expected to respond well to those people who mistreat us. Let's just, let's just get it out there. It's going to happen in this journey towards life, through life. Sometimes people, they say things they shouldn't. And then sometimes it's so hard to say, I'm sorry, after that. But whether they ever say, I'm sorry or not, we are expected to treat them right. We are called to love those who mistreat us, just like we are called to love those who are nice to us. We have got to love, and we have got to love in such a way that when people speak poorly of us, that it will glorify Christ. Because they will see how we are living our lives. That's exactly what Jesus did. Now, as we look at our text into detail this morning, we're going to see at the beginning, Peter focuses on the response of the believer to persecution and intimidation. Ms. Karen, if you don't mind, just to go ahead and pull my slides up. But we are going to go ahead and continue this morning. Now, again... Peter is, we're going to see that he responds uh, as to what our response is supposed to be to persecution and intimidation. Now, it would be probably a safe assumption for us to make, like, well, if, if I live my life like I'm supposed to, like I'm supposed to, who would want to harm us? And, you know, that would be, that would be a valid assumption that we would have, but let's just Let's just go ahead and get it out there. Life's not always perfect, is it? It is not always perfect. We're on slide number 10 right now, Miss Karen. Thank you so much. So P- Peter's given us some encouragement here by saying, even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. In in verse 15, Peter is telling us, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Now just think for a moment with me. How different would our lives be? How different would the lives of everyone around us be if we actually lived our lives as believers in Jesus Christ? If we actually lived our lives like Christ was in control? How different would our lives be? How different would our lives be if we didn't act like we were afraid? How different would our lives be if we didn't act like we were troubled? How different would our lives be if we always honored Christ as being holy? How different would our lives be if we were always prepared to make a defense to anyone and everyone who asks us why we have this hope in Jesus Christ? And what if we did all of that with gentleness and respect? How different would our lives be? How different would our lives be? 
And I realize right about this time, some of you are probably thinking, Brother Todd, what world do you live in? What world do you live in? Don't you know we're fighting the battle? Yes, I do. I do. But let me know. Let me tell you, I know who's in charge. I know who's in charge. I know who is going to win, who is going to be victorious over the enemy. I know him, and his name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you, we're we're going to be going deeper in the sermon this morning. But if your eyes are open and you are looking around you, I'm not just talking, let, let's, just, let's just assume right now I am talking about the church in the United States of America. Perhaps that will make it easier to process. As you look at people, as you look at people, most people will tell you, yes, I'm a Christian. But so many times their lives look exactly like the world. It becomes almost impossible to determine who's a Christian and who's not a Christian because of the way that some people live their lives. Folks, I'm going to tell you, I heard a quote this, what, throughout this past week through a pastor that I listen at his sermons every week. And he made the statement that there are so many people throughout our country today that they, they claim to profess faith in Jesus Christ. They, they claim to, be, to believe that Jesus is strong enough to keep them out of hell, but they don't live their lives in such a way that they believe he's strong enough to call them to a holy way of living while they are here on this earth. It's not one or the other, folks. If we say that we are a Christian, if we say that we are a follower of Jesus Christ, then we have been called to a holy lifestyle now. Now. It doesn't just start when we get to heaven. It doesn't start then. It starts now. And you may wonder, so why are you on this so heavy? Let me tell you why. I lose a lot of sleep at night. I do. I lose a lot of sleep at night. Do you realize that the day is coming when pastors will stand and they will give an account for every soul that has been placed under their care? If you don't realize that, please, please realize it. Pastors will stand and give an account for every soul that has been placed under their care. I want to do that well. Over the last 11 years, I am thankful for the people that have been placed in this church under the care of the pastors. But realize, it is something that there is a big responsibility attached to. I want to finish well. If my time here ends today... I'm still going to have to give an account for every soul that has been placed under my care these last 11 years. I've got to do that whether you want me to or not. That is what God's Word says. And if you are sitting there wondering this morning, where's he pulling this from? I want you to write down Hebrews 13, 17. Read that. 
You will see that pastors are required to give an account for every soul that is under their care. Now, early on in this sermon series, I think it was in the very first sermon, we talked about the living hope that we have in Jesus Christ. If we do indeed have that living hope, our lives will be different, vastly different than unbelievers. You know, when you think about the life of an unbeliever, an unbeliever has an empty way of life. They have a life that is filled with what? Darkness, spiritual darkness. And I want to remind you this morning that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. In me there is no darkness. So don't think, don't think that you can have anything to do with darkness. You cannot. If you try that before you know what's happened, darkness will control your life. Live for Jesus Christ. Live a holy lifestyle. Jesus says, be holy for I am holy. That hope that we have in Jesus Christ, it should be so evident in our lives, in our daily interactions with people, that it causes the unbelieving world to stop us and say, what is going on with you? How could you have this living hope? And our answer is, I know Jesus Christ. I know the King of kings. I know the Lord of lords. I wonder, do you know Him today? And remember... We're supposed to do all that we do with gentleness and respect. And if we do that, if we do that, we'll go to the next slide, please, number 11. If we do that, if we maintain our testimony with gentleness and respect, we will have a clean conscience. And look what happens when we do that. Verse 16 when you are slandered, and let's just, you will be slandered. You will be slandered. Don't, don't let it be a question of, will I ever be slandered? Yes, you will. Yes, you will. When you are slandered, those who reviled your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. When we operate this way, our behavior and words will speak loudly. Peter's telling us here that truth will prevail. Verse 17, let's be clear. If you truly follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are going to suffer. I think there's a lot of people that have falsely believed that somehow after you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ that all of your problems, all of your troubles go away. That is not true. That is not true. We live in a world that is absolutely infested with sin. And I want to encourage you during those times of suffering, let's take a look back at the cross. Let's take a look back at the cross. During those times when we suffer, during those times that we go through things that we don't understand, I will guarantee you if we will put our focus on Christ on that cross and what He did for us on that cross, it, it won't cause our suffering to go away. It will not cause our pain to stop. But what it will do, it will allow us to place our suffering in the proper perspective. And I'm willing to guarantee you that when we truly stop and survey the wondrous cross, just like that old song says, it will cause our suffering to look so much different because we will realize the tremendous sacrifice that he paid for us. Verse 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, 
that he may, might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Now, this particular verse, it is one of the Bible's shortest and most simple verses, but it's also one of the richest summaries of exactly what the cross represents to the Christians. It tells us that Christ died on the cross. Do you realize how important that is? Have you ever stopped to think about if, if Christ hadn't died on the cross? Imagine what our lives would be like. Imagine what our lives would be like if Jesus had not physically died for us on the cross, but he did. This is one of the verses that tell us that he died on the cross. And you know, he didn't just die on the cross. He died with a purpose. He died for a purpose. You know what one of those purposes are? You, me. And that should cause us to rejoice this morning. Throughout the resurrection, through the process of the resurrection, because that tomb was empty after the third day, the cross and the resurrection made salvation possible for us. But let's be clear, salvation it's not something that everybody makes the, the choice to accept, is it? Unfortunately, they don't. Unfortunately, there are people, possibly people who are hearing my voice today, that will make the intentional choice not to accept that free gift, and that is certainly a shame. I can't tell you with sufficient words of how big of a shame that is that somebody would hear the gospel but yet make the choice that they are not going to accept the gospel. You know, I said earlier that I listened to some other pastors preach. I heard another pastor say one day this week as I was listening to a podcast that you know, if you walk up to somebody and you begin a spiritual conversation with them and let's just... Pre- Let's just imagine for a moment we ask this question, are you a Christian? You know, the vast majority of people are going to say yes. They're going to say yes. If you ask them, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? The vast majority of people are going to say yes. Folks, we've been sheltered for so long. Can I tell you, the vast majority of people in Greensburg and Green County, they're not in church anywhere this morning. They're not in church anywhere. The vast majority of people in Greensburg and Green County do not likely have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But they will answer the question, are you a Christian, and say, yes. Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ this morning? Are you truly following Him as your Lord and Savior? And I want to remind you again, if you are, if you are, you will look different from the world. You will not look like the world. You will indeed stand out. As we go to slide 12 this morning, our, our, verse, our verses this morning end with three difficult and challenging verses. And I want to introduce them to you like this, just by asking some questions. 
So first of all, I want to ask you, how long, if you are truly in Christ, how long does your salvation last? Forever. Thank you, Miss Patty. Forever and ever is how long our salvation lasts if we are truly in Christ. Question number two is this. Does the work that Jesus did on the cross accomplish complete salvation? It does. It does. The answer to that is yes. And here's the third question. When we experience pain and suffering... Remember, we're going to if we're in Christ. During those moments, during those moments that we experience pain and suffering, are we supposed to somehow start wondering and doubting, am I really a Christian in the first place? The answer to that is an overwhelming no. No, we're not supposed to doubt. If we're in Christ, we are not supposed to doubt that we are when things cause us to suffer. Now, if you've read through the book of Jude, remember, it's only one chapter. The book of Jude is one chapter. But if you have read through the book of Jude, you are going to find that verse 6 of the book of Jude is remarkably similar to verse 19. That's on the screen right now. And I want you to, to hear this. After the resurrection of Jesus Christ, after he came out of the tomb, but before he ascended into heaven. So after the resurrection, but before the ascension. Jesus went to the place where these spirits were in prison. And you know what he did when he was there? He proclaimed to them his victory over death and God's ultimate and final judgment on those evil spirits Let me tell you, the good news is that those evil powers cannot separate the true believer from Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, no, nobody can snatch us out of his hand if we're there to start with. I wonder this morning, do you know him? Now, look on the screen, you see that, or in your Bibles, you see that Noah and his family are mentioned Now, I I bet even the children that are here this morning could tell us the significance of Noah. Noah was, he was a just man, wasn't he? He was a godly man. He heard from God, and he just happened to do what God said. He was willing to build an ark. At a time when it hadn't rained for a long, long time. Can you imagine the insults that were hurled at Noah when he was building this huge ark? People probably said things like, he's crazy. He's lost his mind. What's he building that for? What's he think he's going to do with that? Where's the water? Can't you just imagine... Can't you just imagine the insults that Noah heard? And what did Noah do? He just kept right on doing exactly what God told him to do. And he eventually got finished. I believe that he got finished on the very day that God ordained it. That's when I think he got finished. On the very day that God ordained it. And then what did God do? He put Noah and his family 
and various other animals inside the ark. And then he closed the door. And then what happened? It started to rain. Can you imagine the people that had hurled those insults at Noah when the first drop of rain came? You think that got their attention? I bet it did. Especially after it continued to rain and rain and rain. And that huge ark began to float on the water. God put Noah and his family inside the boat while the rest of humanity was wiped off of the face of the earth. God placed Noah and his family inside that boat. And I want to remind you this morning, following God, following Christ is not always easy. It's always worth it. And I'll tell you, He will take care of you if you will follow Him. But I want to, I want to circle back and talk about, you know, I talked about earlier that, that I lose a lot of sleep knowing that I'm going to stand and give an account of people who have been placed at some point under my care. You know, I think there's a lot of people throughout our country today, throughout our world today, who have likely been misled, some of them probably misled at children because they have been taught to repeat a prayer that somehow is supposed to bring salvation. Folks, I'm going to tell you, apart from transformation of the heart, I'm going to just go, I'm going to be bold enough to say it, without transformation of the heart, salvation has not happened. If Christ has is serving as your Lord and Savior, the master of your life. He has transformed your heart. And your life will be different. The road will not be easy. I want to go to this next slide, slide number 13, Miss Karen. This is Jesus talking here. And he describes that the gate is wide and easy that leads to destruction. That, that path that leads to hell, there's a wide gate. It is no trouble to go through that gate. None whatsoever. But the gate is narrow. And the way is hard that leads to life, that leads to heaven. And those who find it are, are what? Few. Let's say it together. Those who find it are few. That's what keeps me awake at night, folks. That is what keeps me awake at night. I've got to ask you this morning. I am asking you this in love. I am asking you this with gentleness and respect. Have you gone through the wide gate? Or have you gone through the narrow gate? If you've gone through that narrow gate, you're on a path that's difficult. You are on a path that's difficult. It is not easy. And there's few that's going to find it. Which gate have you entered? through this morning. Eternity is real. Every person will spend their eternity either in heaven or hell. It is very plain. Which gate have you entered this morning? And as we go to our final slide, I want to I want to remind you before I, I tackle the text that's on this screen. Maybe you're hearing this this morning and you think, 
I need hope. Let me tell you, there's hope here. His name is Jesus Christ. I would be glad to talk to you and introduce you to Him today. But you've got to go through the narrow gate to do that. You've got to be willing to lay everything at His feet and let Him transform you. That's what's required. That's what's required. There is hope. His name is Jesus Christ. I want you to always remember that. Now, beginning with verse 21, this is an excellent example of why we say so often that context is so very important. Because I'm going to tell you, church, if you just began with verse 21 and you read from there to the end of the chapter, it looks a whole lot like baptism's what saves you. Hear me loudly and very clearly when I say this this morning. We have always got to look at what Scripture says through the entirety of Scripture about any subject. And when we look at what the entirety of Scripture says about baptism, it becomes really clear. Baptism is not at all what saves us. Baptism is a sign that we are truly a follower of Jesus Christ. It's a sign that we have indeed been saved. Please don't remember... Please don't forget that. Remember, Noah has been mentioned. Noah and his family, those eight people, have been mentioned in the verses right before this. Let me just ask you a question. Was it the floodwaters that saved Noah and his family? It wasn't, was it? They were saved because God put them in the boat. God put them within, inside that ark. He protected them because they had been obedient to follow Him. So... We see here baptism is not what saved us. Saves us. Verse 22, if we are truly in Christ, then we can be assured of our salvation. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to wonder which gate we've gone through. But let, let's be clear. If you will assess your life, you will know which gate you have walked through. You will know that. Have you walked through the wide gate or have you walked through that narrow gate? If you've gone through that narrow gate, then your eternity will be spent with Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. So I want to ask you today, here, the invitation is really simple today. Really, really simple. Which gate have you entered? Which gate have you entered? Is it the wide one or the narrow one? The wide one that ends in destruction and hell or the narrow one that ends with eternity in Jesus in heaven. If you've got any questions about that, please come forward. Please don't please don't take a chance of wondering where your eternity is going to be spent. Jesus wants you to know. He wants you to know where you will spend your eternity. Remember, we've got a living hope. His name's Jesus Christ. I wonder, do you know Him today? Do you know Him? Perhaps you've got another need this morning. I invite you to come forward. Let's use this altar. Let's use this altar. He wants us to. You don't have to tell me anything. You can just come and pray. But if, you, if God is calling you to come forward, don't try to stay in your seat. You will have a week of misery if you try that. Let's be obedient to what Jesus is asking us to do. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power 
the truth that is listed within your word. Thank you for allowing us to to be able to hold a copy of your word in our hands. Father, may we never take that lightly. I realize there's people in various parts of the world this morning, they have never had the luxury of holding the word of God in their hands. May we never take that for granted. May it cause us to intake your word even more than we ever have. May it drive us to our knees. Father, I pray that during this time of invitation this morning that people will truly assess their lives to see which gate they have entered through. Father, we realize that following you is not easy. Your word tells us that gate is narrow and the way is hard. But we realize it is so worth it. It is so worth it. Father, I pray that you will move in ways that our minds cannot even think to ask or imagine. Lord, I pray that this will be a day that, just like it's defined in your word in the book of Ephesians, Lord, I pray that this will be one of the days that you will do exceedingly more than our minds can even begin to think or imagine. Father, we know that you are the one who is able. Father, for the things that you do, we'll give you praise, honor, and glory for it all. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.